What's up guys, my name is Sean and I'm the host of the NFT Talks podcast. Now today we have an episode with the CEO and co-founder of Nori. Now Nori removes carbon emissions from the environment. We know this subject is a very touchy subject when it comes to crypto and especially NFTs affecting the environment now. So these guys, they use a method to remove carbon emissions from the environment and everything is recorded onto the blockchain so you'll get a certificate and it's all recorded. So it's very important and it's gonna have a lot of gems if you're focused on the environment, you want to help the environment, if you're interested in NFTs, this is definitely an episode you need to pay attention to because you're going to learn a lot. Now, guys, make sure you subscribe, leave comments down below, and let's help build this community. So guys, so guys, I'm here with Paul Gimbal, uh, who is the founder of Nori, uh, which is a carbon removal marketplace based on the blockchain. Uh, it's going to be a really interesting uh, conversation today because this is something that is not really talked about so much in the NFT space is the impact on the environment. And these guys are doing something really interesting because they're on the blockchain, but they're also removing carbon dioxide from the, from the atmosphere. So Paul, welcome. Thanks for having me, Sean. Thank you. Thank you for coming on. Um, I'm really interested to hear a bit about yourself before we go into it and uh, what's Nori, what's Nori is about. Tell us a bit about yourself yeah. in regards to background, involvement with crypto, um, because you're on the blockchain. So yeah, um, I'm really interested to see your background, how you got into this space. Yeah. Uh, so I studied computer engineering in college. And then when I was in grad school in mm -hmm. 2010, mm -hmm. I had a professor uh, who was trying to teach us about different like trading markets. And as an example uh, for that, he used Bitcoin. And so in 2010, I uh, was really interested in this. I went home and read the white paper and I uh, was really always interested in monetary policy and that kind of stuff back then. And uh, it immediately jumped out to me as like, wow, this is a really cool solution for some of these uh, sort of um, social coordination problems that we were seeing. So I started mining Bitcoin in 2011 or so. And then when Ethereum came out, got really interested in that because then it was more you know, about general programmability and stuff. And I ended up working in software for a bunch of years, mostly as a product manager at a, um, an, a consultancy called Deloitte Digital. And we were building mobile apps for uh, big like Fortune 500 companies. And then in 2015, I got really bored with consulting. And so I left and I, I wanted to work on something that was like bigger and more important. And climate change seemed like kind of an obvious choice because like, you know, of course, more people are going to care about this in the future. Like it's all, this is a situation that's only going to get worse. It's going to need new innovative approaches to solving it. And so I got interested in this and I had these like two parallel tracks going uh, for me. So I had like blockchain stuff and paying attention to that and doing like crypto trading. And then I had this climate change thing. And I, when it came to climate change, I was thinking about it in the context of like the, the problem is there are too many greenhouse gases in the air. And the solution then, therefore, straightforwardly, is we should pull those gases back out and store them. And in 2015, I was like doing a lot of research into this and wondering, why isn't anyone really talking about this? Like we see a lot of mitigation efforts, a lot of like we need to decarbonize various sectors of the economy. We need to convert to renewables. Um, but 
not a whole lot about why don't we just like undo the whole thing and make it go away. And perhaps it was just people thought that it was uh, too big of a challenge. But to me, like when you have the uh, uh, you know exponential growth factors of innovative technologies, then mm -hmm. we should start to bend that towards uh, uh, carbon removal. So I started a uh, meetup group in Seattle, where I'm based, and uh, I was trying to meet other people who are interested in pulling carbon out of the air and, and learning about how we could do that. And I at first thought that this was going to be like a technology problem, like we need to do a lot of R&D into mm. different tech to remove carbon. And then after about a year and a half, we came to the conclusion that it's not necessarily a technology problem, it's more of an incentives problem. We already know a lot of ways that you can pull large amounts of carbon out of the air through uh, soil carbon or um, afforestation or growing kelp, lots of these kind of nature-based solutions. Okay. And there are uh, technologies and industrial solutions that are at least known, if not scaled up, um, like direct air capture. So it's not so much knowing what they are, but actually growing them, scaling them. And that's now that's an incentives problem. And that's where things started to really intersect with blockchain and crypto for me, because in the fall and winter of 2016, we started to see kind of the rise of tokenization happening on Ethereum and, and then seeing ICOs take off in 2017, using Ethereum as like a crowdfunding platform. It just kind of clicked for me that, well, if we, what we want is a financial incentive for people to pull carbon out of the air, well, here is a fantastic tool that can do that and can create this financial incentive in a way that aligns all of the stakeholders' interests around this one particularly very large goal of trying to pull over 1 trillion tons of CO2 out of the air. So that was the initial uh, genesis of what became Nori in 2017. You Okay, so a few things you touched on there is the whole removal aspect of it. I mean, excuse me, I didn't even know that was possible. So yeah, uh -huh. because people, because generally they talk about the reduction, stop, don't do this, don't do that. So right. are you the first company to go out in there and do this to this, to this, this level? I do believe that we were the first. Uh, there are many, many, many more now. Um, yeah. But when we got started in 2017, like the first thing that we did was um, uh, consensus uh, put on a, a hackathon that was called Blockchain for Social Impact. And we won in the uh, environment category. And then we founded the company. And one of the first things that we did was in early 2018, we held a conference here in Seattle called Reversa Palooza where we brought, we brought together um, about 100 different people. These were uh, like sustainability directors from big companies. There were uh, farmers and ranchers. There were uh, technologists. There were academics. Mm -hmm. And the intent of the conference was to say, like put a stake in the ground and say, hey, we're really interested in doing this. We think this is possible. And we think that we should change the conversation. And, and it's like if, if the planet or the the like human species is in a runaway car that's like driving towards the edge of a cliff. Uh, all the efforts that people were talking about before for climate change were just, we should, we should pump the brakes. We should try to slow down the rate at which we're driving towards the cliff. Mm -hmm. And here we are at Nori saying like, no, turn the car around, <laughs> uh, get rid of the, the source of the, the risk here. Um, so that was, that was novel, uh, having to have that conversation. We actually host our own podcast called reversing climate change and carbon removal newsroom. And we were doing that since 2017 because, uh, we recognize that this is a thing that not 
anyone anywhere was talking about or willing to investigate. But that all changed in the fall of 2018, and now a lot more people pay attention. So you, I, I know that with Noah, you, we'll get into the ins and outs of how it works, but they are NFTs within yeah. the project, isn't it? Yeah. So that's really interesting because I want to understand how did you, what, because obviously you've got this whole look on NFTs about is affecting the environment. You guys are set out there to make the, obviously help the environment. How do you end up producing NFTs to do you know what I mean? Like use the set, the thing yeah. that's causing it yeah, yeah. to um, uh-huh. to produce it. So how does that come around? Like when did you first come across NFTs? Because you've been in the space for quite a while, from what like you just said. Mm-hmm. So um, mm-hmm. talk about that journey. Well, uh, so we're built on Ethereum, and um, wh- like from a like an economic design perspective or lens, yeah. the like we were building off of the carbon offsets industry. And so offsets have been around for a long time, uh, several decades. And uh, there are voluntary offsets. These are companies that are just like voluntarily choosing to buy carbon offsets because they think it looks good or their employees or shareholders want it. And they'll publish this in a like sustainability report at the end of the year kind of thing. And then there are companies that are uh, required by certain government mandates in various jurisdictions to uh, trade um, permits that the government issues. Um, there, for, uh, the EU has something like this, and then California uh, has their a cap and trade market. But the, so these are a little bit different things. And yeah. um, when looking into the carbon offset space, while I was running that meetup, there was a, a carbon offsets broker in the group. And one of the first things that we actually did before, long before Nori, was thinking, hey, maybe we should just build our own carbon offsets project, and then we could use the revenue from that to fund more carbon removal stuff. So let's start with uh, a project that avoids future emissions. And I should really distinguish here. So when people think carbon offsets, uh, offsets mean that you're doing something that avoids a future emission. So you're you're reducing your future emissions, mm-hmm. uh, whereas a carbon removal is something that removes carbon that's already up in the air and you're sequestering it. So you're removing past emissions. Okay. So that's the difference yeah. between removals okay. and offsets. So we wanted to do this offset project in order to fund more removals work. And what we found was that it was incredibly expensive uh, to get this stuff off the ground, not just the capital requirements of like the machinery and, and whatever it was, but the in order to get carbon credits certified and issued, you have to go through this like what is basically a cabal of uh, registries and verifiers that have been set up for the last thirty years um, in a in a very weird way, yeah. and. So the carbon offsets industry is very opaque and there are lots of fees that are put onto the supply side of the market. Mm-hmm. And which is really kind of silly because like when when you think about carbon markets, just know that we're very much supply constrained. There's right. nowhere near enough supply of carbon offsets or carbon removals in order to meet the demand that exists today and certainly not enough to meet the demand that's going to exist in five to 10 years. So from that sort of view on it, if we want to scale up the amount of carbon that is being pulled out of the atmosphere, which I think is something that we should we can all agree on is, is yes. a desirable it's, it's thing, evident. right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Then we have to figure out how to remove those barriers to entry on the supply side. And uh, without going like too much deeper into the the weeds on this, uh, 
what that means is we needed to find a way to cre uh, create better provenance for these carbon removals. Um, there are all sorts of double counting problems that exist both in at the international level and just in general. Because like yeah. the way the way carbon offsets work or carbon credits, when you're issued a credit, you will typically sell those to a broker, and then the broker might sell them to someone else, who might sell it to someone else, and someone else, and someone else, and so. Ultimately, that's the same ton of CO2 that's being traded over claiming, and over again. Everyone's claiming. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. And so if 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 we're going to be really serious about yeah. pulling large amounts of carbon out of the air, then every new dollar spent should result in net new carbon coming out of the air. So what we do is we are actually separating the carbon credit or the certificate for the carbon from the thing that gets traded. Mm -hmm. And the carbon is, we record that in an NFT where uh, it, we call it an NRT, uh, Nori removal ton. One NRT is one ton of CO2 removed and sequestered for at least 10 years. And when that is sold by the supplier to a buyer, and the buyer can be anyone, yeah. then the buyer, it goes into their wallet and they own it forever and they yeah. cannot be transferred or resold. In exchange, the buyer pays the supplier one of our native Nori tokens. So the, the price of one ton is always one Nori, uh, okay. but the Nori price will fluctuate based on supply and demand. So by using the NRT as an NFT, we can really enforce that it just cannot possibly be resold and that it uniquely represents one ton of CO2. Okay. All right then. So that yeah, that makes sense. All right. So <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot to take in, but it, I can yeah. see why you have. It's it's not that straightforward, and I see what you have to do, why you create the NFT. So you're saying you create the NFT solely? Would you say for just to be able to, as a logbook to monitor, uh, and certify uh, yeah. mm -hmm. the ownership of of that carbon removal? Correct. Yeah. Okay. That's right. All right. And so what I'm interested about is what's your stance on nfts and first nfts and the environment because this is a question yeah. that's asked nfts is doing this to the environment and so on so what coming from your perspective what's your stance i'll tell you what you think about it i think the criticisms that we've seen in the last six months or so are really overblown and not really characterizing the situation very fairly like for instance if we're talking about um like let's say real world art yeah. and, and, and there's a piece of art and it's in one country and it has to be flown to another country where they're going to hold a, an in-person auction. What about the carbon emissions from yeah. that plane flight? Like we're not, we're not comparing apples to apples here. And I, I don't think that's a fair comparison. However, I do think that in general, when we talk about uh, blockchains and energy usage, other than the proof of stake chains and yeah. like Ethereum moving to proof of stake, mm -hmm. like it's it's a good worthwhile goal to try to decarbonize the the operation of proof of work chains. Mm -hmm. And so if if you can't do that, if you can't like fully move over to renewable energy or something like that, then I would advocate that removing the carbon emissions from the transactions, and that's a relatively straightforward calculation, is a, a fine way to, to deal with that, to make uh, NFT transactions carbon neutral or even carbon negative, but you know, removing yeah. more carbon that was actually emitted in order to run that transaction. So I think that there are solutions to these problems and um, the, the criticisms are not always fair. 
yeah okay i think that's a fair um yeah conclusion of that because i feel i do feel that myself that they crypto or nfts they get the the worst end of the stick and they get the finger pointed at and then this is happening there yeah. all this energy is going on but like you said in the real world this happens it's been happening for many of years and there's nothing stopping that i guess it's a case that we're just used to this way so we we have to point right. the finger at somebody <laughs> um in some ways it's, it's a it's a hell of a lot easier to calculate the emissions from a blockchain transaction yeah. so because it's easier to measure more people are paying attention to it but Exactly, because you know, because yeah. there isn't. I've got, is there a way of measuring, and uh, the energy used on the blockchain and creating an NFT with its bins? But how how would you ever there, would you calculate that? There are different attempts people have made, and I know there's a group that we're a member of um, okay. at Nori called the Crypto Climate Accord, uh, which is working on a uh, calculator uh, that that could be that's fairly robust um, and could be relied upon for at least best estimation on how much. Uh, carbon emissions are resulting from a single transaction on a proof of work chain. Mm -hmm. um, so there, there's been a lot of research into this space. And again, we're all estimating here because we don't know yeah. exactly uh, the energy profiles of miners and that kind of thing. But um, the information is getting better. Okay. All right. And another thing I want to I want to point on what um, is NFTs. From my experience and what I see within the community, uh, they're they're all about social impact or helping and a lot of these people that creators that are creating nfts they like to give back uh, in some way yeah. so i feel mm -hmm. like obviously nori uh in a perfect position i don't know if that was planned or so what, <laughs> but in, a, in a perfect position to market yourself to these individuals to say that look this is a way that you can kind of counteract what's going on i mean was yeah. that a thing that was planned or it just kind of fell that way um <laughs> both i suppose i don't know if we planned for the timing of this um, okay. so thank you elon uh for putting all the attention on it but um from the beginning we wanted to be uh like our go-to-market approach for who's going to be like the question of who's going to be paying for this carbon yeah. what what we want is we're and we're launching very very soon an api that could be integrated into other platforms so that carbon removal can happen automatically like imagine you take an uber ride and at the end of the ride maybe a sponsor plays an ad in the app and then they pay for removing the emissions from the ride that you just took or you order something from an e-commerce merchant and they remove the emissions to deliver that to your door or you purchase an NFT through some NFT marketplace and some of the proceeds go towards removing the carbon emissions yeah. from those transactions. And we have a couple of partnerships with uh, platforms that are doing exactly that. Do you think the general public, is there, is there much concern for this? Seriously? I mean, I know you're very, obviously you've, you've invested, you understand, but gen across sure. the public, are they really concerned? Yeah, I so, but like, as I said earlier, I, I view this market as more supply constrained than demand constrained. Yeah. Um, the When it comes to consumers, I don't necessarily believe that just relying upon altruistic behave, motivations of consumers to like seek out and go remove their own personal carbon yeah. footprints. I don't think that is scalable in the slightest. Mm -hmm. uh, however, I do think that um, it is something that will definitely scale up when when we talk about automatically like think about think about carbon emissions as like a form of waste of, yeah. of garbage when um when you go to a restaurant and you produce a bunch of waste from eating your meal uh, when you get your uh your bill at the end of that you don't 
have a uh, line item on the receipt for garbage removal fee. Uh, It's just built into the cost of doing business, right? Uh, So carbon should be exactly the same. Uh, It's just that we've, it's, it's invisible and odorless. So we've never really paid much attention to it before. And we've never had the tools or technology in order to measure it and then follow through with removing the emissions as well. So, uh, that's that's like the 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 end state for what we're going for. I've seen surveys of uh, ranging somewhere between sixty to ninety percent of consumers are willing to pay more for uh, sustainable goods and services. Okay. So there is clearly a cultural desire to do this, but it needs to be incredibly simple and easy, if not automatic. Yeah, I, I feel I feel. I mean, and if you agree with me, I feel there's a lack of understanding it, the consequences of the the effects of the environment. I don't think people really understand what can happen and the cause of this. And I feel that's the reason why people don't take it that seriously if, you, if, it, if that's fair to say um because um, they, they, I, I think everyone's like i like the thought of contributing to the and making sure because that makes yeah. me feel good but is it really yeah. are they really looking at is it this because how it's going to affect the world in the future this is the impact this is the, the current impact is going to does that make sense what, what i'm saying yeah it, it, yeah it does make sense i mean there's a time value of money here right so yeah. like the effects of climate change while very real right now and you know we see more extreme weather events and um starting to see sea level rise and, and so on mm-hmm. uh it's still something that feels off in the distance for a lot of people i but i actually think a, a more uh like driving factor is just that no one knows what to do about it yeah. And yeah. and we're we're constantly left with like the only outlet to be we we try to get our politicians to do something and we don't even know what that something is we just want them to do something so uh, our philosophy at Nori is well let's give them something that they can do about it uh, yeah. and it is now directly in your power uh, to deal with carbon emissions and so that grassroots approach is what I think is going to be most effective in the long run. Yeah. And then I feel that the, the case that you've got NFTs, it's all once on the blockchain, there's that transparency side of it. Of yeah. If you said you've done something, you can actually show. And right. it's, it's all there for, for everyone to see, which I think is really good. Uh, because even if it was a case of the government doing it, they, if they've done something, it's there to see and, and what yeah. they've done. Uh, so put your money where your mouth is kind of thing. <laughs> Exactly. And, and, you know, we have an insurance policy that if uh, like the, when people remove carbon, they have to make sure it stays out of the air uh, afterwards, after it's been removed, and they have to re-verify what they're doing. And we put all of that data on our website and it's recorded on chain. Mm -hmm. So if it's discovered that there's some sort of carbon loss, like the carbon was re-released back into the air, then we'll make the buyers whole. We, we have, uh, this is where our tokenomics comes in, uh, but we have the ability to go buy new carbon, new NRTs on behalf of the buyer and uh, make them whole. So what you pay for is what you get. Uh, okay. We're, we're using the, this is like another reason why putting this on chain and using crypto uh, economics is a really useful way to ensure that the carbon is staying out of the air once it's been removed. Yeah. I think, I think it's really important. What I want you to touch on is the, the three stage process understanding i know we're talking about what you guys do but just touch mm-hmm. on them um, give a very basic overview of what it is because how, how would you actually remove um yeah yeah how would you and then what's the steps to get it to be being sure. yeah 
So you can think of Nori as like, we're trying to be an agnostic marketplace where people can propose new methods of removing carbon to us. Like we're trying to use market forces to create incentives for people to figure out better ways of doing this more efficiently, right? Yeah. But we had to start somewhere. And what we chose to begin with is uh, carbon being removed by farmers who are sequestering it in their soils of their croplands. And the way that this works is uh, when you are doing conventional farming, you will plow your field at the beginning of the season, you'll plant your seeds, you'll input fertilizer and water and you grow them. And then in the fall, you harvest your crop and then you leave your field empty throughout the winter and then you repeat the process next year. Well, that's that sort of conventional agriculture since World War II ha has been uh, eroding our soils around the world. Erosion meaning like the soils are not as fertile. They're not producing as much uh, uh, crops as they used to. Mm -hmm. So there's this body of uh, farming practices that's called regenerative agriculture, which are uh, practices that can actually increase the amount of um, uh well, increase the amount of carbon in the soil, but also increase the, the crop yields and uh, re kind of fix that soil erosion problem. So what happens is instead of plowing, you do a minimal amount of disturbance of the soil and you directly inject your seeds. And then uh, you'll end up using less fertilizer. And then in the fall, you harvest your crops, but then you also plant what are called cover crops. And cover crops are really just like low lying things like rye or alfalfa or legumes. And you're keeping roots in the ground throughout the winter and then you kill those off and then you start again next year. So what's happening in the soil is soil is made up of dirt and rocks and minerals and a lot of organic matter like microbes and fungi and worms and so on. And when the uh, crops are in the ground, when they're putting roots down through photosynthesis, they're pulling CO2 out of the air, right? And then they're depositing nutrients, sugars and starches into the soils that these microbes and fungi are feeding off of. And then mm. in turn, they're breaking down minerals and providing those back to the plant. So it's a very symbiotic kind of relationship. The, by keeping cover crops in the ground in the winter, you're continually providing more nutrients to them. And then uh, by not disturbing the soil, you're, you're leaving it compacted so that that the, the organic matter doesn't like get exposed to the air and just die off. Mm -hmm. That organic matter is the carbon. So uh, what these farmers are doing is they're adopting these various practices and they're increasing the amount of uh, soil organic carbon through growing uh, these microbes and fungi. And that has all sorts of benefits for the farms too, because then they'll retain water better. So they're more uh, drought resistant, but they're also more flood resistant. They will eventually see their crop yields increase over time. Okay. But they go through a little dip. There's like a transition period when you go from, it's like if, you, uh, if you're living off of a, a diet of uh, uh, junk food and then you all of a sudden start eating like really healthy, okay. yeah, you, you're crash. not going to see the, yeah, exactly. You're not going to see those benefits right away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it takes time. Yeah. Uh, so in that time, it's somewhat financially risky for farmers to, to go through that transition okay. because yeah. it like- Farming is, farming is uh, as much of a science as it is an art. And uh, people have been able to figure out, well, you know, I put this in, in this much fertilizer uh, at this time and I should expect th this level of yield. And um, so they're, 
like business forecasting is predictable. Um, but when you start doing these regenerative practices, that becomes less predictable. So it turns out that paying them for storing the carbon in their soil is the perfect form of bridge financing to get them over that initial hump. So where the they get to the point where they start seeing these overall better returns. So it's a really like amazing two for one. We get carbon coming out of the air and we're getting a more resilient food system simultaneously. Yeah, yeah the, the farmers are actually, it's a win-win. They're benefiting obviously in what they're doing and they're getting yeah. paid. So that there's less risk of actually, obviously what, yeah. what you talked about. Okay. So that's, exactly. yeah, that's really interesting. Like I, I, like I said, I, I would never have known anything about that. And I'm glad you explained it to that <laughs> Me level. Me either. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's good. so explain- what's the next step after that? Okay, you've got you've reduced farming. How, how do you monitor it? I mean, in fact, how do you measure it? Like so, it's- so there are um, so we're in the U.S. and uh, we're only working with U.S. farmers right now. We we yeah. do want to expand internationally, um, but there are uh, like we work with a partner who uh, is has been funded by the U.S. Department of Agriculture for a long time, and okay. they've got like a, a measurement network set up around the, the country where uh, they're doing soil sampling at all these different locations around the country, and then they uh, layer on top of that a bunch of different data models, and we're collecting operating data from the farms, like what kind of crops you're growing, where your fields are located, uh, what kind of fertilizer you're applying, and so on. And then we can run all that through this third-party tool. And then they're able to come back and tell us, okay, based on this data, this is how much carbon is being put in the ground relative to what would have happened if they had just continued with the conventional practices on the same exact field. So that's telling us how much carbon is there because of the actions that the farmer took. And then there's a verification step that happens after that where the, um, the farmers have to have the data that they provided uh, be verified. So these independent third-party verifiers, they're accredited. What they do is they're checking the uh, accuracy of the data that the farmers provide. Like okay. uh, maybe look at invoices or receipts for seed or fertilizer purchases. They might look at satellite imagery uh, to see that, yes, you were growing that crop in that year. They're looking at land title records, making sure that you have the right to actually do this for that land and so on. Um, So once they sign off on that, uh, then we generate the NRTs and then the the suppliers can sell them to buyers through our market. Okay, that's a really interesting process and it's well put together. Um, While you were talking about obviously the process of the farmers do, I feel like, have you looked at your next steps of potentially going to Africa? Because obviously all the agriculture over there um, the infrastructure, I mean, they haven't got a, a strong infrastructure, but something like this mm-hmm. work, I feel that would work. So, so we get asked that question a lot. The, the, okay. the challenge is around the data and how we're okay. actually doing the measurement. Um, so Africa is probably a ways away. Uh, mm-hmm. it, what's going to be coming in the future is more of this will be done through satellite imagery. Okay. But that satellite stuff has to be calibrated and ground truthed, uh, to what's actually happening on the ground. And there's just not enough, uh, like field research being done there yet. Um, What's next for us is more likely uh, uh, adding additional methodologies. So whether this is uh, kelp farming or afforestation, like planting trees or biochar or construction materials or direct air capture, we're still sorting through that and trying to create a like repeatable process that people could use. So how do we know that these measurements are valid? Uh, that, that's really like the scientific question. And, and how do we get this peer reviewed so that we have a lot of good scientific uh, community input? Um, those are some scaling things we're working on right now. And then the other, uh, the other big thing for us is that to date, uh, 
people have been buying these NRTs with cash because we, we took a uh, go-to-market approach of saying, mm -hmm. let's, let's get the carbon side of the business working from end to end first, and then let's layer in these token economics so that we can start scaling it up. And that's the point that we're at right now. So we're actually planning to launch our native Nori token uh, later this year in 2021. Um, and that will then become the method of payment. And it also be the method of price discovery. How do we know how much this carbon should cost? Well, it should be driven by market forces, oh, supply and yeah. demand. So that's what's coming later in the year. Okay. So you see, you've, and how long has the project been running? Just to, how long has it been? Uh, we were founded in 2017. 2017. So four years. Yeah. yeah. Four years. It's, you've not, you've, you've been here. You've actually, you've done, you've definitely done your homework. I guess it's something that I'm just, I'm just amazed by how detailed it is and the whole setup and the way you put it together. I just feel like it's incredible. Like, <laughs> Well, thanks. It is, uh, it's really complex. And we think yeah. that we've found, you know, like the, uh, the saying, Ar the Archimedes saying like, uh, um, get, uh, you know, if, uh, give me a lever long enough and I can move the earth. Well, okay. like climate change seems like that sort of challenge where it's this like intractable social problem. But we think that this is like a really key starting point for how we can start making large scale progress on actually solving it. Yeah, and and proving it and showing it and being transparent as what what when people contribute, they actually can see. It. That's that's the main thing I feel that is something that's very important because mm -hmm. even with down to some of the charities, people moan about, well, how do I know that it's going towards this? And how exactly. do, you know people want to know and want to see that what I'm putting my money towards, it's actually doing something. Uh, and obviously right. you guys show that. Um, what what kind of uh, feedback have you got from obviously the NFT side? Now I just want to touch back onto that because I know obviously you had the collaboration with Imogen Heat, with who's yeah. a British record and producer. Uh, she released uh, six sound clips and mm -hmm. twenty tons of uh, yeah. all that was re removed. I should say yeah. So. Yeah. Watch that was it. really the start of this. Yeah. Okay. So the the start of this was um, I think it was in. April or well back in February I was on Clubhouse giving a talk about what we're doing at Nori and she happened to be listening to that and then in April she was planning to do this uh NFT drop of these um six different NFTs and so she reached out to me and wanted to learn more and we ended up collaborating where um she put five percent of the proceeds from the NFTs that sold into buying NRTs uh carbon removed through Nori and so ended up uh, making these massively carbon negative, removed far more carbon than could ever have possibly been emitted in the in the transactions themselves. And uh, and then that got some attention. And then uh, soon after that, we partnered with a marketplace called NFTB. And then we just recently announced another partnership with a um, NFT marketplace called Blind Boxes okay. and uh, in talks with a bunch more. So it, this has kind of been a snowball effect of uh, NFT creators and platforms interested in uh, dealing with the carbon emissions and, and making that not be an issue anymore. So what obviously, you know, when you're saying you collaborate with these marketplaces, are you looking to have that option within the contract to say that, do you want to contribute? Yeah. To, okay. That could, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Yeah. That, yep. mm -hmm. yeah okay. Okay. That's it's an opt-in thing. You, mm -hmm. it, it makes sense not to approach that. You don't have to approach the artists and the individuals work with the marketplaces yeah. and then give it, it'll be an option and it'll be, it would be a gesture, make it make sense because I know that Kings of Leon got a lot of uh, whiplash, um, backlash, mm -hmm. sorry, from um, the, the audience saying that obviously about the environment when they released the album. Uh, so I'm sure that 
musicians, especially musicians, because the fans really care about the environment. Right. Um, right. <laughs> they need to tread carefully because they otherwise they won't be able to sell anything. Yeah, exactly. And and so this is a tool that solves that particular problem, and I think it solves it pretty well right now. Okay. So what have you? Are you interested in NFT space? Stepping away from what you do with Nori. I mean, are uh, you are you a collector? Um, have you invested in the space? Anything like that? I am not. And and if you could like tell me what I'm missing out on, I would really appreciate <laughs> that because I like I feel like I intellectually understand NFTs mm -hmm. and this market, but I don't emotionally understand it. <laughs> okay. And you know what? The thing is, I feel that that's where it is at this point. It's a lot uh -huh. of emotion um, built on community. The projects that are doing well. Uh, I mean, I know obviously like the art side of it. People are just investing in things that they enjoy, uh, things that they like. Uh -huh. Obviously, things like CryptoPunks, you, you've obviously, obviously heard yeah. of CryptoPunks. Uh, that's obviously selling for a hell of a lot of money. But I think it's just a case of that. It's one of the first projects that are out there. Um, yeah. And they've built a community and people just value it. That and It's it's hard the, to... A, um, thing I, a thing I haven't really seen, at least coming from out of like the art side of things. Uh, I'm, I'm a really big live music fan. Okay. And and I especially like I'm really into uh, jam music like fish. And um, that like one of the first thoughts that I had was, well, I could totally see myself wanting to pay for like a unique uh, live recording that yeah. is, uh, you know, that only happened once because uh, all the music is in improvisational and so it's like this it's capturing this one moment in time i could see that uh being really interesting uh to myself but i guess one thing i haven't understood or haven't really like grokked or wrapped my head around is the resale of the of nfts and like you know the market value and how much of how much of this is are people doing as an investment versus like wanting to own something that they care about i feel um unless you're buying a crypto punk at this point um, uh -huh. or there's very few projects that you will buy to resell. I okay. don't, if it, I don't think at this point, it's a place where you can set a guarantee where you're going to get, you're going to get your money back because uh -huh. so early at, at this point, but, um, I, like you said, the value is going to come from utility, which you just mentioned. If you, if you had your favorite brand produce NFT and they said that it was going to be a live recording or they were going to give you a meet and greet access or yeah. seats to all the, the concerts that might mm -hmm. appeal to you. So I feel like when you come into the NFT space, you, you've you got to find where you fit in. It ain't a case that it, everything fits, fits all. It is, you've got to find where you fit in and you like what you like. And then that's where your obviously interest will lie. And and yeah. then you'll find other people like yourself in the community. And that's why I feel it's great. That's why people, it, it grows. Oh. Because okay. obviously you're going to meet, being in a Discord, because they normally have Discords, you'd meet other fans just like yourself. Uh -huh. Once it's NFT. And let's say you've all got the same NFT now. And then you're almost like, building that whole exclusive fan base and it becomes a whole different thing. And then they drop something else that only you guys can go to. And it's, yeah, it becomes a whole okay. experience. That makes a lot more sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So it's just changing the way. I think NFTs personally for me, it's in changing the way it's giving musicians, especially the chance to engage with fans or people that, and brands to engage with fans a completely different way. Well, I think it's, it's going to be great. So there's a lot of good things to come. I mean, there's other industries apart from music. There's gaming. I mean, I'm not sure if yeah. you're interested in gaming and yep. the virtual world and metaverse and whatnot. I've seen a lot of sports stuff too. Like, um, yeah. like you mentioned all. like tying in like real world physical products. Like yes, I, yeah. I can't remember who it was, but I saw some like NBA player. It was like a signed pair of shoes and yeah. this NFT kind of thing. So yeah, that makes sense so too. 
there was an NBA player that done something which is called a dynamic NFT. So it's based on live events. So he, oh, yeah. he said, if you buy my NFT now and I get Rookie of the Year award, I will give you a percentage of my sponsorship or or so on. So it's kind of like really investing. Oh. In people. Like you can really buy into people. Like you could potentially say, look, you could release your NFT now and say, look, if we produce this from Nori, then we uh-huh. will give you this or or so on. Like you just really, have, you'd probably, you'd understand your community, people that really want to help the environment. And I'm sure there's NFTs that you could produce for them that yeah. would appeal to them. But you're you're only gonna you're gonna know that yourself. I'm not gonna know that because I'm not in the community. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. So it's like you become a rights holder to some yeah. like, future event thing. That's yeah, cool. yeah. Like it's there's there's there's. I think it's we're, we're at the very. We're not we're not even we're not even getting started. Yeah. Like, <laughs> there's so many things that are going to happen. Um, there's so many things that are happening day by day. Things are happening. But I mean, the, when people look on the outside, I mean, like like you just said, is when it look at the art and things is all for like millions, and you just see a JPEG or you just see a digital image. Yeah. I thought people feel like well. I could, which I can understand is like, well, what's all this about? Um, right. But generally, um, the, I feel the value comes from utility and the community. That's where people buy into it. The community aspect that mm. that like that's a missing puzzle piece for me. So that okay. that definitely fills in a gap. Yeah. Yeah, man. So I, yeah, definitely take a look. Take a look at the bands. They might be. They're probably doing NFT like everyone is. It's, it seems to be yeah. the new phase at the moment. <laughs> so yeah. uh, it'd be interesting. Um, yeah. Okay. So you okay? You're not buying. You haven't bought any NFTs. Have you thought about where NFTs might be in the in the future? Is there something you've ever looked on? Like- um, well, I mean, it seems like inevitable that uh, like real world property is going to be uh, associated with NFTs, like like real estate or yeah. um, other uh, securitized things like that. Um, uh, I could I could see intellectual property stuff being uh, put like representing patents uh and that kind of what's thing what's your thought on data okay so like this is something interesting i mean i feel that like is a good question actually yourself because yeah. you tackled almost not so much but you are you're in that kind of field so capturing data data is obviously valuable obviously we understand yeah. that what's your thought on people any putting it creating nfts on their own data uh uh-huh. and holding on to that how does that work? I think that's really cool because maybe that could be some sort of base layer. Like, like for instance, I, I like the concept of a universal basic income sort of, uh, yeah. but I don't really like the idea of that being like taxpayer funded. But if we're talking about, you know, your own personal data that you're generating through, whether it's like biometric data or, mm-hmm. or some other thing that like you're responsible for creating, and then, and then you want your, you, you know, you want to sell that maybe in some like, uh, anonymized way or something like that like uh using nfts for that seems like a, a really like obvious uh tool to solve the mm. problem so i'm definitely interested in uh that sort of future where people can derive income just from you know being alive <laughs> yeah yeah i mean and that's yeah i mean i remember I had an interesting conversation is that um based on ai and nfts let's say that you've got an AI robot that you sp- you speak to every day and uh-huh. you've been putting information into this robot now, inf- information, information. And then it comes to the point where we all pass away. That in- yeah. that robot is going to be yeah. very valuable because it's going to have pretty much you. <laughs> it's going to be a yeah. of you, mm-hmm. your, your, your thoughts and everything and tokenizing that. 
You know, actually, um, we had so we had Imogen on our podcast on reversing climate change. Okay. Uh, I think it just came out like a week ago. And uh, towards the tail end of the conversation, she mentioned that she's done that. She has wow. an an AI Imogen bot that like her fans can like if they're subscribed, they can like interact with. And I was talking to a friend of mine about this, and we're like questioning like, would you do that? Would you? Uh, so would you, Sean? Would you want to create like this? Uh, Okay. Of yourself. I'm going to put, put, put something out there. I use social media. So I do that to a certain extent. I just don't own that information. Like true. Sure okay. Yeah. Facebook or yeah. Instagram know me a lot better than I know myself with all the yeah. comments I've inputted. So we're doing it. For, I feel, I feel that it's, we already do it to a certain extent. So why not? That's fair. Yeah. Okay. Like we, we we hold that information for us or we give it to somebody yeah. else. I feel that's where we're at at this point in this world. So it's about, I feel like it's about taking back and taking ownership. Uh, with this cool. so um yeah, i guess i've there's a lot of things i've said no to i'm doing now so <laughs> <laughs> you kind of just you either evolve or you 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 segregate yourself so i'd like to think on the positive side yes for like obvious reasons being able to for my children to be able to have yeah, yeah. Knowledge yeah. that side of it that's great but obviously people getting access to that i mean obviously that's going to be the risky side of it <laughs> What about yeah, you? Yeah, when 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 deep fake Sean is now being <laughs> used to do like voice authentication. Uh my I, I you make a good point about the fact that we already put a lot of that out there. And it, yeah. at least I mean like you could look at my Twitter and you could sort of I'm sure you could like, you know, GPT-3 like a Paul bot based mm -hmm. off of that. Uh wouldn't necessarily be my voice. Uh my one concern would be about future sentience and maybe that's a little far out, but like, okay. I definitely don't want a sentient like digital version of me. <laughs> would they, would <laughs> I would they, prefer just be the only one. Yeah. I, yeah. I understand, but this, this can happen. I mean, I don't, I always go back to this film when everyone prefers to it. Ready player one. Have you, have you yeah. seen that? So uh -huh. the, he done that, didn't they? In, in that film, he, he captured his mind and he went, the guy went yeah. and spoke to him in the, in the, in the museum and he was leaving the clues. And I don't know, it depends. I don't see why not. What's the harm, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, but, but then, you, but then you've got this, you know, crazy like dystopian sci-fi situation where now you're like, you're forked and that, that bot is going in its own direction and you're living your own life. And now there are two yeah. almost parallel versions of yourself. Yeah. Uh, uh, I don't know. I've, I grew up reading and watching a lot of sci-fi and just seeing a lot of the ways that that can go badly. So yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> that's I my mean, concern. no, there's no way I'm saying, I think I'm just being, I'm at this point where I'm just having my mind open rather than shutting things down because I, sure. I, I think that's the best way to accept what's going on because I thought in the next five years, 10 years, there's going to be a hell of a lot of change going on and a lot of different Absolutely. things happening and things, and you either adjust and and, and be, evolve with it or, or you kind of just put yourself out. And I feel like I've, I missed the internet, I would say. I missed it, that, that part and didn't do anything with that. Social media. How do you so mean? Much. I said I missed the internet. I didn't do anything with the internet. I mean, I was around when the internet came around, but oh, I didn't. Weren't like a, I, I like didn't a capitalize up it. I weren't a part of it. I weren't uh -huh. anything. So this, I feel that we're at the early stages of a big change again, and yeah. I'd rather be a part of it than being on the sideline. So absolutely, yeah. So that, that's the, that's my approach. That's why I'm being open minded. Say, look, I'm gonna let's, let's see what happens, and being a part yeah. of it, at least you can have potentially have your say. Because <laughs> if, uh -huh. if you're not, it, yeah, you just go with influence the outcome. Yeah, yeah. So mm -hmm. yeah, that's my approach on it. I'm not sure how, how you feel about that. 
Uh, yeah, for the most part. Um, I, I studied computer engineering. I think I said that earlier. And uh, it's part of that, like, I remember just kind of reading about the early days of computing and yeah. the, these people whose names we all know, uh, uh, like the Steve, Steve Jobs and Wozniak and Bill Gates and like the, the even earlier, like Hewlett Packard stuff mm -hmm. and, um, and the rise of the transistors and, and all of that. And I just remember thinking when I was going through school, like, man, like that stuff was so trailblazing and they were, they were building a brand new industry from scratch and that was cool. And like what we're doing today is not the same thing. And it, it's, it doesn't seem as fun and interesting. And then I found Bitcoin and it was like, oh, here we go again. This is, this is going to be this crazy new thing. And I remember when I first found Bitcoin, I think it was trading at like 80 cents. Wow. And, um, but I was a grad student. Also, it was really shady back then. Like you couldn't yeah, just easily like, go yeah, on yeah, to Coinbase or something, right? So uh, I think I bought like $10 worth of it and I mined like 15 coins or something. Uh, and then when Ethereum came out, I remember having that same sort of thought that you just described, like, mm. hey, I, I missed out or I thought I missed out on uh, like the huge gains of Bitcoin. I don't want to miss that again. And so that was when I started going all in on Ethereum and wanting to invest in it and learn more about it and build on top of it. And for the exact same reason you just described, like this, like this is going to be a world changing technology and I really want to be a part of it. Yeah. And I think that I feel like, you know, we need to take that approach. Everyone needs to take that approach, but I guess it's not everyone's cup of tea, isn't it? So no, <laughs> definitely not. I mean, that, so you just have to either be a part of it or you or the sideline. But yeah, I, I've, I'm excited about what's going on. Um, it's great connecting to people just like yourself, uh, having these conversations and seeing what you're doing. And I feel like you, it's amazing that you're the first. I mean, I mean, the first project I'm seeing doing anything like that, and I'm coming across a lot of projects like that in the NFT space. The first of first person to do this, the first person to do mm -hmm. that, and mm -hmm. yeah, and this, I just feel like there's so much to come. So this is just the start. Like, so I, I I know I keep repeating myself, but that's just how I feel about it. It's just like yeah. I'm happy for things to grow and things happen every day, and yeah, I'm just looking. Forward. Innovation is exponential, and we're still on the linear part of that curve right yeah. now. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Well. I'm going to wrap it up today. Um, it's been a pleasure speaking to you, uh, Paul. It's, I like, you've, you've educated me definitely, especially on the environmental <laughs> side. And I feel like it's, it's going to be valuable for the audience because everyone talks about this in, in the space. Every, anytime I make a post about this, everyone's commenting and whatnot. But I feel mm -hmm. like you need someone like yourself that is in that space, actively doing something and understands it to that level to yeah. be out there and be, be talking about this and educate people. So then people can actually do something about it, you know, and yeah, you're, you're offering a solution, which I think is great. Well, thanks. And uh, yeah, we, we really do want to solve these problems. And so uh, I, I guess I would say to your audience, like if this is interesting to you, if you think this, this can solve uh, a problem that you have, then come find us at nori.com and uh, we would love to talk. Okay. Well, I'll make sure I put the links below uh, so everyone can go follow. Uh, but until then, everyone stay listening and stay blessed. Take care. Guys, I hope you enjoyed the episode. And before you go, I've just got something very special to say. Now, NFT Talks will be collaborating with Nori to drop an NFT. Uh, we will be doing a giveaway. Uh, it will be a carbon negative NFT. So make sure you stay tuned. Go onto our socials, pay attention, leave your comments below, share. Let's help build this community.